Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to the Infertile Diagnosis Podcast. We are here with um, some beautiful, lovely ladies again for the Fertility Connection talk show. So today we have an interesting topic to talk about. Um, Obviously, finances come um, into all of our lives when we're dealing with infertility, whether that's just simply buying supplements or doing a full round of IVF that you have to pay for yourself. Um, But someone brought up yesterday, what would you do if you had 20,000 pounds, euros, dollars, Welcome, everyone. We're going to do a round robin, and let's do Devin first. Hello, I am Devin Baeza, the fertility finance coach. I help women make, save, and manifest money for treatment. Thanks for coming back, Sarah. I'm Sarah Clark, founder of Fab Fertile and host of the Get Pregnant Naturally podcast. And I help couples using the tools of functional lab testing to dramatically improve their chances of conception. Thanks for coming back. And Adrian? I'm Adrian Wee, and I'm the creator of the Practically Fertile Methodology and the host of the Practically Fertile Podcast. And I help women get pregnant using Chinese medicine. Oh, thanks for joining us again. And I never introduce myself because I feel like people know me, right? Like they're listening to this podcast. So, but I'm Monica from Mindful Me, and I help women who are dealing with unexplained infertility and autoimmune issues. What would you do if you had 20,000 pounds, euros, dollars? What would you do? Do you think you would, um, would your journey take a different direction if money wasn't an issue? Um, I know for me, at the beginning of my journey, if I had 20K, um, I'm not sure I would have ever stumbled on diet and nutrition. I don't know if I would have just been the person to throw money at the problem and do round after round after round of IVF because I had the money. I feel like not having the money and having to pay for IVF in the United Kingdom, even though there's a whole NHS system, um, really made us slow down. It really made us go, okay, well, we can't afford another IVF because this one failed. So we have to take time off anyways to save money. Um, So let's try the diet and nutrition lifestyle while we're saving this money. Um, So it's a really interesting topic. Who would like to kind of jump in with some thoughts? Yeah, I think I'm similar to you. If if back when I was diagnosed with, with POF and I had 20K, um, well, I would have done exactly what I did do. So, <laughs> so, so which was went to donor eggs and, and did that because I none of this functional side of things was on, on my radar. Um, yeah, so, and see, I see the other side of it where people have gone through, they have funded treatment. They have like six IVFs that they don't have to pay for. And, and then they, they're coming in, it's still not working. So to me with the 20 K yeah, like it's, I don't know, it's an interesting thing from now, from the point of view of now, I'd be like, wait a minute, let's look into what's going on with my body. Why isn't it working? And let's see if we can actually like with the 20 K I would go like, so like, cool into all this like biohacking like really like awesome stuff with like red light I got <laughs> I'd like with the with the red light therapy with saunas with um 
I just got some blue light blockers, like with like awesome organic foods and uh, like that side of like stuff. Like a personal like, chef, sure. right? You like yeah, hire someone chef. to cook your food. I've been like doing wellness retreats and like <laughs> yoga, like all that stuff to like uber, uber self-care. And, um, and it's still like the functional side is still looking, you know, including conventional medicine. So going down and actually, you know, looking to see structurally what's, what's been missed. Um, but yeah, it, it's different. It's kind of going back to where you were and I'm like, Oh, I don't like, I didn't know about functional, like, functional medicine back there. So back then I would have put it into IVF and donor eggs. Like I did now I would do something completely differently. So yeah. yeah. I think um, having not to worry about that money issue is um, maybe doesn't make you critically think about things, right? You kind of are just like, well, here's the money. Let's just do it. Let's just throw it out there. Whether you're doing IVF or going a holistic route, you just don't sit there and overanalyze. Well, is it going to be worth the money? Should I do it? You know, so it's a... almost put you in like a bigger pickle, right? Like sometimes having financial issues is, if you look at it in a positive way, really helps you to sort out your priorities, what's really important for you. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, for me, it's it's a little bit different because I had already, you know, I'm a Chinese medicine practitioner. I've used acupuncture for my own PCOS. Um, so by the time I was ready to try to have a baby, I've, I've already been practicing acupuncture for a while. I've already experienced the benefits of acupuncture in Chinese medicine. So even if I had the money, that would not have been what I would jump to first. Um, like I would definitely, it would still be the same. Like I would try to conceive naturally using what I know, my knowledge, but I did ask my husband, um, you know, once our daughter was born, like, you know, I, if we had to go that route and do IVF, would you have, like, what would you have done? And he's like, we would do everything that we could to have a baby. So I think for me, it's nice to have that money. And I think if I, if push comes to shove and I had to do, or if I felt like collectively, you know, talking over with my husband, that IVF was in our best interest, then I definitely would have done IVF. And I would have felt um, you know, happy to have had that money. Um, so that's, I, so it's a little bit different by, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is if I had the 20 grand and I needed to do IVF, I would be thankful that I had the money. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, Devin and I have talked about this is actually, um, out on the podcast already. Um, one of my biggest moments during my whole journey was crying like um, hysterically in the bathroom after I was told that IVF wasn't free in Yorkshire. So I was super naive. I just thought IVF was free everywhere in the United Kingdom. And this was back way before like postcode lottery was like a really big issue. And um, yeah, the guy was like, right, there's nothing else we can do. You're doing IVF. And unfortunately, you've just moved to one of the three counties that doesn't offer it. So if we would have bought a house 30 minutes down the road in Leeds, we would have got IVF for free. And I just remember hysterically bawling in the bathroom thinking, fuck, how are we going to pay for this? Because in my mind, I just kept telling myself like, well, you're not in the US. You don't have to pay 20K for IVF. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. It's free. You know, figure this out. And I was just like, fuck, that's 
that was like another big bombshell of like, how are we going to, how are we going to afford this? So yeah, if I had that 20K, um, I probably wouldn't have cried. <laughs> I probably would have just said like, okay, I've got 20K, let's go, let's do this. But like I said before, I'm very grateful that we didn't have the money and that we had to pay for our treatments because it definitely made us really step back and go a lot slower. And with my issue, um, IVF would have never been the answer for us. Like it would have never worked if we didn't figure out that I had an overactive immune system. Um, I needed the extra drugs if I was to do IVF to conceive. So I did two rounds of IVF. Um, one was the shambles one. We got lots of healthy eggs or embryos and it still failed. So um, with my knowledge now, um, if I had 20 grand, like you, Sarah, I would go, okay, what tests can you run to check my adrenals, to check my gut function, to check my poo, you know, to check my mental health, to check my bloods, you know, like what is going on. And at the end of the day, the test that we spent almost two grand on was this test called Chicago testing. And it tested all your immune functions and a whole bunch of other things. And that's when I found out about my high NK cells. And then that's when the game changed for me, like finding out what the underlying cause of my infertility was. I was then able to really address it in specific ways. You know, medically, we knew what drugs we needed to take. And then on a holistic side, I knew what diet I needed to be on and how to combat that. And, you know, working hard on both ends. I have an IVF baby and I have a natural baby. So knowing your root cause of your infertility and maybe spending the money, if you had that 20K on finding that, then you're able to like direct your money wisely, right? I think that is such an interesting question at a lot of levels and you bring up a really good point. So it's really hard to tell people in the middle of fertility struggles and paying for treatment and especially people who don't have the money um, or who do have the money and are just really still super stressed about how much this is costing to tell them, hey, there's a silver lining. Hey, something good is going to come out of this. You know, it, you, can't, you can't see the trees from the forest when you're in it. But there are, there are benefits to it. And the thing, I mean, what you just brought up, you would have never done all of the testing except for that that was your only option. I would have never accepted the responsibility financially um, I, and got scrappy and figured out how I was gonna pay for this and then turn around and use everything I learned to pay off all of our debt. None of that would have happened if we would have had the money or if I had a rich uncle who liked me. <laughs> and was willing to spend that kind of money. You know, it does, it forces you to get resourceful. But I will say um, that my answer, if I had 20K in the beginning and I had the hindsight that I do now, it might surprise some people because I have an IVF baby and then I have a natural baby also. But I would not do IUI. I would not do the laparoscopy to remove the endo. I would have gone straight to IVF. And I know that that might not be a popular opinion, but that's what I would have done then. And that's actually still what I would do now. Yeah. Why, why is that? So I think that some of the principles are the same about what you're saying, that um, it's not until you get into it that you start asking the right questions. And it's not until you do some of these treatments that you start to see 
that they're not working or, um, you know, if after you've had a loss that you can test for certain things. It wasn't until after our miscarriage that we went through and had all of the testing done about the natural killer cells and every other possible thing it could have been. Uh, so even though it's unpleasant, I, I would have never known that I had low AMH issues, uh, you know, the endometriosis was suspected, but they can't, of course, you know, know that either in the beginning. So all of these questions were only answered by doing the treatment. I would have found a cheaper clinic so that I could have had a round, had testing and done another round, you know, if possible, like I probably would have gone to CNY or there's one in Arizona now, not, not when I was doing it, but now called New Directions, um, that I would have I would have gone someplace cheaper uh, to try to do multiple rounds, but I still, I still would have done it um, because I feel like this is my one chance. To me, it's still the big guns and it still overcomes so many health issues uh, to just treat this one thing. Do I think it's better for overall and long-term health? No, of course not. If you're never, you know, treating what else is going on, like, you know, it's not gonna help me in other ways, but when all I cared about was a baby, here's my 20 grand, you know, give me what you got. Yeah, totally. And I don't think it's an unpopular opinion. I think it's what most of us, well, what, what we did, we did it. And like you say, until you have, until you go through that journey and you then can look back and go, shit, maybe I would have spent the money more wisely. Like you say, even just going and doing more research about a different clinic, you know, we, some, we, I feel like we just, we've maybe said this before, it's like we get that deer in the headlights, don't we? And we're just in that bubble and it's really hard to break out of that bubble when you don't have maybe like Sarah always says, your team assembled and someone just saying like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I just think with that 20,000, I don't know, like now, like why do we think, and I've said this before, but why do we think that IVF is where we need to go? Like, why are we, and I've said this before too, like, why are we lobbying, lobbying government to, to include, you know, like IVF, like where, where, where's the lobbying to, you know, the, the healthy food and get big pharma out of this. And like, there's a lot of people getting, making a lot of money from women, our population who's, you know, struggling with infertility was one in eight in, in the U S one in six in Canada. So a lot of couples are, are a significant amount of couples are struggling with this. This is how we continue on the human race. So, um, and all this, you know, obviously medicine and technology and science, that stuff is awesome. Um, but like if we had that $20,000, why does it go into big pharma and into the pockets of the fertility clinics when it can actually go into, I don't know, looking at things a little bit. Totally, different. totally. And I just read a article um, on, you know, one of our thought leaders in the Chinese medicine fertility space, she, Twitter, she tweeted something, it was an article on how, um, on the Today Show, I forgot her name, but somebody was advocating for teens to, um, I wish I remember the, the name of it, but basically they're advocating for teens to stop their periods. So oh, it's fuck. almost like what? if you don't want to have a period, we got solutions for you, birth control pills. So I know this is like a topic for another day, but I believe that all our problems started with birth control pills, right? Yeah. It started from the very beginning, the log of education, push for the pills, suppressing our body. Like our bodies haven't even learned what to do when we're teens. And then, um, you know, you 
pump it full of hormones and shut it down for years and years. And then when you want to try again, it's like, where's my period? What's going on with my hormones? Because your body has forgotten how to do it for number of years. So it starts there and then, right. And then when we have trouble conceiving, then that's when the big pharma comes in. It's like, Oh, but we have this miracle drug that we could help you stimulate ovaries. And then we have this technology that we could make you an embryo and then implant it back. You know? So I, I think it's, it's this chain that started way, 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 way back. Um, a woman is even consider considering trying to conceive. It's yeah, it's a conspiracy. You see those little babies on Instagram with the, all the little IVF needles all in the little heart yeah. around the baby, and I'm like, holy F. Like, what? Mm-hmm. Okay, the little baby's here, and that's great, but what, what are we doing? I don't know. Like, there's at something. what cost? Yeah. Yeah, at what cost I mean, to, like, the, the baby's health, the mother's health? Like, why is that what we're doing with a, you know, and in this instance with our 20 grand, that's where we want to go and put the money. And I mean, I said I would do IVF if I had to, for sure. Like I, I'm the first to say that like, absolutely. Like if I had to do IVF, I would do it. But I also, you know, think that because my experience is a little bit different is that I've already experienced the, the uh, benefits from acupuncture and Chinese medicine. So that wouldn't happen even if I could do it all over again, like that wouldn't have been my first, um, I would first, you know, do all the stuff that I need to do. And then I would go to the IVF. Right. Yeah. Definitely. It's about education though. Right. So like Mm -hmm. I get like, like with Devin saying, you know, going straight to do IVF because we're educated that that is our quickest, easiest, maybe, I don't even know why we think this guaranteed way of having a baby where IVF isn't even guaranteed, but in our heads, I know when I went to do IVF, it was like, well, I'm going to have a baby. I'm doing IVF. Why wouldn't I have a baby from IVF? And my first IVF just was like, fuck you, that ain't going to happen, you know? And so it is the education. Like Adrian, you had the education before you even started. And I feel like the other three of us, and maybe a lot more women listening to this, if we had the education that there was things that we can do to even improve our situation before we did IVF, um, most of us would do it, right? Like, hundred percent. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah, I I I did it. <laughs> I I would have done it in combination with IVF. Like I think that there's a couple different uh, layers to our our experiences, our thoughts, our opinions. There's like what's actually going on today in my life. And then there's what I think about, you know, society. And then there's what I think on like a global picture and scale. And like, I think globally, and maybe even in my own, you know, society that, you know, health is important and awareness is important. And, you know, everything we're putting into our bodies is important. And everything we're learning is so important. But when it comes down to my actual life and wanting a baby and not having one and never, I didn't want anything else in my life, even not even remotely close to as much as I wanted that baby. Like, I don't really give a shit about philosophy and I don't really give a shit about, well, you know, take the time to treat your health. And like I may, I should have, but I didn't. My hyper obsession and only the only focus I had was getting that baby and whatever it took. And I didn't care. And I didn't, you know, it it wasn't a bigger picture issue to me. It was 
and this is my life. This is what I think is going to work. And I'm doing, you know, this is what makes me feel like I have my best chance and I'm willing to do it. So the rest of it didn't, wouldn't have mattered to me. Yeah. It did, you know, it just didn't matter to me. And I'm sure Sarah and even maybe Adrian, you know, when you get clients, like that's a big conversation you have is talking about slowing down and looking at the big picture and realizing that um, it does matter. It does matter to take those step back and that you, you will eventually, you know, I, I, I hate saying that eventually have a baby because I hated when people would say that it will work for you, but like you will, you know, get to your ultimate goal, but doing it in a slower way, like surely everything in our life, if we slow down and put more thought into it and put more of control of ourselves into it, it comes out better, right? Like, like in all aspects of our lives. I know when I rush anything, I have to fucking do it over again. <laughs> like, and that was like IVF for me. Like how many times do I have to do IVF before it works? Um, but I think just once again, it comes down to that education. I don't know if you had that education, if you had that knowledge, maybe it wouldn't feel so rushed. Maybe it wouldn't feel like mm -hmm. I have to have it right now. Like, you know, even just getting that education of like, six months what's six months of your whole entire life because infertility six months feels like an eternity right where when you have that education and you're sitting there going actually six months is nothing is nothing in your lifespan and if that six months um helps improve your chances of getting pregnant staying pregnant and then having a, a healthier baby than you could have had is that not worth it you know, that 20 grand to, yeah, like Sarah said, take that 20 grand, go on a cruise, go on a retreat, go, you know, not just go straight to the IVF clinic. But yeah. I think, you also, know, I, oh, sorry. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, like, I, I, what Devin said really, you know, resonated with me is that when you're just so desperate to have a baby and that's all you want, philosophy goes out the window. And I think that's my experience working with a lot of people in my program is that it's really hard to slow down, right? It's, that's what it is pressure from society, pressure from family, pressure on themselves. So I think, you know, yes, I think what we could do is educate and tell them to slow down. But I think at the end of the day, somebody's going to do whatever they feel is right for them. And a lot of times it comes down to like, I'm just going to screw it all. And I have this money. I'm going for it. IVF is the answer. So yeah, we, I know because we were looking for the magic pill and it's like, well, why do we have this pressure? And look, I'm the same. I'm like, soup. this is something my pattern is trying to be less, uh, trying to be more patient. <laughs> so I get it. Like the, in, the impatience and I typically clients that come to me are in a freaking panic. And I listened to um, uh, Christiane Northrup and she said, the higher up the education, you know, the more MBAs, degrees and things you have, the, the, the more difficult. That, and if you're dealing with infertility, this is actually, it, it's worse for you because you're like so educated and then you become like so obsessed with it. Um, yeah, she just had a comment about that. The more degrees, I thought that was that was interesting because um, I'm seeing seeing that with the, with the, with the, with the clients that I'm working with. But why why do we have so much pressure, like from a society kind of standpoint? Why are we so obsessed? 
like all these things that Devin said, yeah, that's what I see with my clients. It's like people are completely obsessed. When you say six months to take time, time off, like it's not time off, you're still doing something. They're like, I don't know if I can even do that. So I our society. One of the only times I ever cried at the doctor's office was after we had, we had our miscarriage and then we were, I went in to start our file. <laughs> um, we, we went in to do the next ultrasound and to get ready for the next cycle. And they found uh, a polyp in my uterus. And so she said, we're going to have to wait a month. You can ha I'm gonna, you have to do hysteroscopy or whatever it's called to go and remove the polyp and you're going to have to wait to start treatment again. Literally one month and it devastated me to wait one more month because to me that meant one more month of feeling this fucking awful. This level of devastation, this level of hopelessness, this miserable life it, that I just, I could not get out of this spiral. I could not get out of. And what she was telling me was, you know, 30 more days, 24 hours of every day. Like the, the weight of one month was so heavy. And now I can say that's ridiculous. Does it matter whether your baby's born in April or May? No, in the long run, no, but it doesn't matter. In six months in the long run, doesn't matter. But in that moment, it, it, it felt like an eternity. And I if you told me to wait six months by choice or not, I would have told you to kick rocks. Like I'm not waiting. Yeah. And I suppose, you know, using some of that 20 grand to work with someone on your mental health is super key because I think maybe we've all been there that one month of hell and feeling like we're living in a shithole. And actually, if you step back and really evaluate your life and what you have in your life, who you have in your life, um, is super important because yeah to be that down in the dumps about waiting a month and like we've all maybe experienced you know if you go through a miscarriage or if you go through some really devastating news if you can't handle the waiting one month how are you going to handle the like the really true hard things right and you know investing some time and money in your mental health is going to help you get through infertility and help you see that you can survive it no matter you know what option you take during your journey that you can survive these things and then when you enter either you know a child free life or motherhood you're going to look back and go thank fuck i worked on my mental health because there's shit doesn't get easier after infertility you know it's just a different level of hard yeah cuz dealing with to me dealing going with ivf without the proper support like, let, like, I think at a minimum, everyone needs mindset. If you are picking IVF, you have got to work on your mindset because there's, with that, you can feel very disempowering and you're waiting and you're at the, at the, like, you're waiting for other people to help you. Whereas the functional approach is extremely empowering. You are in the freaking driver's seat. You are like driving the ship. Whereas the other one, you're waiting. So yeah, waiting a month, you're like, fuck, I don't even want to do for this month. Whereas the functional approach, well, in that month, you'd be, choosing foods and healing your body and, and doing things that are empowering. So I think like that IVF thing is a, like an old paradigm. So I, I know some clinics are bringing in nutritionists and bringing in naturopaths and bringing in mindset, but still, you know, you could be working for the clinic like that. The, the end goal, the big guy is the clinic. So, um, 
Yeah, but I think if, you, as I say, if you're doing IVF, you have to have the mindset piece because it, it is a spiral. There's triggers. There's, it is a mind fuck. But don't you feel like sometimes until somebody hits rock bottom or experiences multiple obstacles, then they realize maybe they need to work on mindset because I don't yeah. think everybody starts this experience thinking that like what you're saying, Sarah, um, because, you know, we're, we realize that mindset is so important because we are here now, but back then maybe we didn't realize that mindset was so important. So yeah. That's, that's when you'll I, see people in like those, in those forums, in those chat rooms, and they're, they're around the bend and they don't even know they are like, they're just yeah. like completely obsessed and, and trying to get support in some of those forums, which are, can be even make things even worse. Um, so it's almost like, I know they make mandatory counseling if you're going to go through donor eggs, but I'm not sure if there's mandatory counseling now for, I don't think there's mandatory counseling now for, is there for, for going like through a, through IVF? Like, no, not, not, not the clinics here. No, they yeah. have, like you said, donor eggs, donor sperm, yeah. um, same sex couples, but yeah. they have a psychologist available if, um, somebody's interested, but she doesn't take insurance. She's really expensive. Yeah. Most of my patients don't, you know, they're like, eh, well, I, she doesn't take my insurance because, and she's like $250. Um, and from my understanding is that she's not very friendly either. So <laughs> at least that's, you know, the local clinics are in Charlotte, but um, yeah, they, it's not mandatory. And it's, I feel like mindset is definitely one of the hardest things to talk about with um, people I work with, just because it's that level of self-awareness that's not there until a certain time on their journey. Oh, hundred percent. And even, I feel like even dealing with myself, I'm like, <laughs> like, are you on crack yeah. still? Um, yeah, you, I think you're right. I think it's a very rare person to take control of their mental health before they hit rock bottom or before they hit a real mm -hmm. low. It is um, not something you necessarily think is even an issue, right? Like you don't think, I never thought you know, that I had major issues. Um, not that I did, but, um, you know, there's things I had to work through. Um, and that only came by, yeah, hitting rock bottom through my fertility journey. Um, so I don't, I don't think like anyone should beat themselves up if they're like, oh, well, I haven't done that. And I, you know, a few years into my fertility journey, this is, you know, our podcast and what we, we all do is just for education, right? Like this is information. And I feel like if you keep listening to um, the, the information that we're giving, that we're sharing, that, you know, we're encouraging you, eventually people go, okay, let me try this out. Let me try, let me spend a little money. Let me even just invest in, you know, circle and bloom and do some meditation before I go through IVF. You know, that was my first step. Like it's, it's simple, right? $50, you know, you have it and you do it. And then eventually I think you see the benefits if you keep going and you're like, all right, this, this does matter. This does make sense. This does, you know, improve my whole situation not just having a baby, but getting through all these hard times. Well, and it's such an important question because, and I love, I, this exact question is actually one that I use when coaching clients because when they are faced with opportunities, but also crazy costs, and they start um, 
coming from a place of fear about what they're going to do or what they can't do. I want to take the, the issue of money off the table because I don't want them to make decisions out of fear. And so I'll ask them, there was one recently who was talking about adoption and she said, you know, IVF hasn't worked. I'm thinking about adoption. I don't know. Should I just give up on this? What, what should I do? And I said, well, I'll pretend I showed up with, you know, a giant check and handed you, I think it's $50,000. Here's this money. Would you go and find an adoption agency and do your research and visit the place and spend this money on adoption? Or would you do another round of IVF? And she said, I would do IVF. I, I haven't, I still have a feeling, you know, and I want a biological child and like she wasn't ready. And so that's it's such a good question to ask yourself because if you have the money, could you, if you could go and do, you know, like you said, the organic stuff, the healthy products, the meditation, the apps, like, is there already something on your mind that you wish you could do, have the money for, you know, then that's your sort of inkling of, of where you're being led to. There is no right or wrong answer to this. It's just what's right for you. Yeah, exactly. I think we got, um, we were talking about the other day, um, what happens when, you know, we get a lot of clients who have already spent loads of money and then they kind of stumble onto our course or a holistic way or even a money mindset. And they're reluctant to buy that program or sign up with you because they've already spent their 20K. What do you do then? Like, well, how, how does your mindset go that I've already spent my 20 grand? Where do I go from here? Yeah. And and yeah. And you become jaded. You're like, damn, I've already put all this money in here. And now you're telling me I want to invest like from, for me in a functional approach. What? Like, I don't want to, yeah, you become, you think all the things you've tried and there seems like a snake oil salesman and kind of like, what's, you know, who's trying to screw me here and my money's just going down the drain. And, and it's unfortunate because you may have tried a whole whack of different things, but are they the right thing for you? Mm Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, there is. There's, I know I did it. I easily spent well over 20K on shit that would have never worked for me. So when I eventually got into paying a functional medicine practitioner to help improve my health, it was like, okay, well, this is the last ditch effort. Whatever money this is going, this is just going to have to be because I have tried everything else. Um, And yeah, I mean, luckily for me, it worked. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of people out there that maybe even got hooked up with the wrong, you know, holistic person. Cause I know I did a lot of holistic people and their shit didn't work either. Um, so it's really hard in your mind making all these decisions and you're paying every step of the way, right? Like IVF isn't necessarily your biggest cost. Right. All those little ones add up first. And like you said, you, I mean, it's, it's not that it's not real, the, the cost is very real, but I want people to be aware that when they're thinking about what this has cost them, oftentimes money becomes symbolic. So what this has cost you is your trust, right? You trusted this professional and it didn't work and it's hard to trust somebody else. Or what it cost you was your confidence. You thought that you could do this and if you worked hard and did follow the rules, it would happen and it didn't. You know, what it cost you was your hope. You were so hopeful that this was it. You were, you were so sure you were pregnant this time, you know, you had every symptom and it turns out you weren't, or you lost the baby, you're losing your hope. 
there, if you're hyper-focused on what it's costing you, chances are that it's costing you something beyond money and that that needs to be healed also to be able to let go of the focus on money. So that is obviously uh, a lot of the work that I do because it's really easy to focus on cost because it's tangible, we can measure it, and it's impersonal. You know, talking about how much we're, we're so stressed about how much something costs us is a lot easier than talking about the grief we have from our younger sister getting pregnant before we did. You know, it's just an easier thing to talk about, but it's not usually about the money. And when you think of it in terms of that's how much this baby costs, usually people are okay with that. If I told you that your child was going to cost you $100,000, in the beginning, you would have been like, holy shit, that's going to suck. But would you have still done it? If you knew it was going to cost you $100,000, would you have found a way? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think many people would, and they look back at their journey and go, how did I get that money? And then don't apply it in other areas of their life. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's, um, it's a funny thing when you mix money and emotions, and I think you're so spot on. You know, most people would rather talk about their money issues than their mental health issues. Yeah, I come across that all the time. They're always intertwined and it's funny. I mean, we're talking about money, but uh, most we spend the majority of our time talking about everything else and then their, their money situation starts to dramatically improve because they're so interrelated. So keep that in mind while you're, while you're stressed, you know, that there, there's other things going on and the more aware you are of it, the, the better it is, and the more able you are to treat it from a lot of different angles. Yeah. Adrian, did you have something? No, uh, I mean, I was just going to add on to that too. Is sometimes, you know, oh, I can't afford it or I'm hesitating to join your program because of cost. I think sometimes that's, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to use the word excuse, but it almost feels like if you tell somebody that I can't afford it, nobody's going to argue with you, right? Nobody's going to be like, what do you mean? Of course you can afford it. So I, like, I don't know if, that's kind of like, you know, what you're saying, Devin, is that, so, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think it's, it's, I have money mindset issues, Devin, you know, but we work a lot together on it. But to me, it just seems like sometimes when you say I can't afford it, it's almost like you are. It's a cop out. It's, it's like totally a cop, a cop out, out right? right? Like yeah. you don't trust your, you don't trust that this will work for you. Right. Like, and that's it. You don't believe in it. Yeah. You don't believe in that money. Right. And you use money as a, to deflect that, like, because it's like, well, I'm done talking about it because I can't afford it. And nobody's going to argue with you on that. And there's, because there's the four things. So the reason, the the objections people really have are they don't believe in you. They don't believe in your approach. They don't believe in the way you're going to teach them, or they don't believe in themselves. And so of course you're not gonna bug them about their money situation because it's so taboo and nobody's supposed to talk about money and you're not allowed to say, you, sure you can afford this. But I do say that to people when they're like, well, I can't afford it. And I'm like, yes, you can. Now what? Do you still wanna do it? Well, no, I don't really wanna do it. <laughs> then don't, you know, yeah, no, I really wanna do this. Then, then fucking find a way, then let's work together and find a way. It is a cop out. And it, it's, an, it's an easy place to go because we lose confidence in ourselves 
because especially like what Sarah was saying, when we're educated women, driven women, when we get what we want in our life because we work hard and make it happen, all of a sudden for the first time, we can't make something happen and it can shake you to your core of who you thought you were when you are, when this is just not happening, even though you're giving it your everything. And all of a sudden we lose confidence in a lot of areas and it can show up in our money. Yeah. And I think it's a, another, you know, self-sabotaging excuse. Right. And I found that through my journey is that, you know, you don't ask for infertility. Like it's not like I want to be infertile, but when you start breaking things down, you see that you've self-sabotaged yourself through a lot of your life. And when you're doing that, infertility just presents itself as a health issue. It is a health issue. So when you're saying, I can't afford to do whatever you need to do to help improve your situation, it's just another way of saying, I don't love myself enough to invest in myself. And it's really hard to confront that and to even admit that out loud. But yeah, that was a lot of my issues with, you know, especially my health. Like people be like, well, maybe you shouldn't drink so much or, you know, maybe you should change up your diet. And I'm like, look at me, I'm healthy. I'm fine. Like my girlfriend got pregnant and she does the same thing. And it's like, nah, look at yourself, look deep within yourself. And it's a really scary thing to do for most of us. Yeah. A lot of times, you know, you, people may not feel they can actually do it. So looking at the functional side of things, like it, IVF may seem easier. Oh, I just go over here. I take some drugs and, and, and it, even though it's going to be hard, but that's more of a, that seems a little, little better thing. I can, I can probably do that a little better. Oh, you want to have me change my diet and maybe give up drinking or whatever it is. I don't think I can do that. Oh no, I can't. It's, it's, you know, uncomfortable. This seems easier, more money. And, but what are the ramifications of doing that? Really, right? That, that seemingly yeah, yeah. easy approach that, that science has presented to us because IVF was only developed to help couples that, women that, that had blocked tubes. Why is everyone and their dog doing it now? So, you know, and over here, we don't, we don't believe we can make these changes. I don't know. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it gets a little bit deep, right? It starts like all these easy like money issues and like if you had this and, you know, it's actually like, well, no. And maybe, and I think you're right. That's why people maybe don't go down a more holistic route in the beginning because it is a lot harder. You have to do all the work yourself for it to be successful. You know, you can go and do a round of IVF and you literally, I don't want to say do nothing. I mean, you're injecting yourself with needles and you're making appointments and stuff, but that is much easier for someone who's done it two times and then three frozen embryos. That is much easier than having to stick to a diet and to work on your mental health and retrain your brain and make new connections. And even if you're doing a Chinese medicine, medicine approach, like there is elements that you have to stick to that you have this regime. And then you're like, Oh, but that's not real life. And it's kind of like, well, neither is being infertile. Like we're not supposed to be infertile. <laughs> like let's talk about what is not real life. Like IVF is real life now. Like that is acceptable. That's the norm. That's, and it is right. Like, People don't even bat an eye when you say I've done IVF, where 10 years ago, if you told someone you're doing IVF, people were like, what's IVF? What's that? And now it's just, like you say, it's the first step. It's over, over prescribed, just like uh, our mental health stuff with the anti-anxiety medication. 
<laughs> that's a whole other topic. But um, yeah, I think it's, it's to, because the chickens will come home to roost. You'll either, you got to figure out your shit now, or if you, you go to IVF, you potentially could have issues with your children and yourself. So eventually you'll have to address the health issues. Right now they're presenting as infertility, but there's other health issues that you'll, you'll have to deal with. I had that or I didn't figure any of my stuff out. Years later, health took a complete nosedive and that's how I discovered all of this. And I was in the freaking, I was, you know, not, not doing well at all with all these chronic conditions, taking multiple antibiotics and, and uh, my, health, my health really suffered. So either you look at it now, I don't know. That's my 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 rant on the on the uh, on the stuff. It'll 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 come up, and and it's worse when it comes up with your children. Yeah, definitely. I I think I need to add too. Is like I feel like unless you're you could have all this money and you could spend, you know, on functional testing, changing your diet, but unless you're committed, you could spend all this money and you could half ass it. Yeah. You could still spend all this money and in the end end up with right where you started because 100%. you were not committed. Um, and I, I find that too a lot of times is that this people's identities have become infertility, right? Like they, you know, they, they have all good intentions to want to change their diet, to want to do the holistic route, but they always end up where they started because they didn't commit to the changes. Yeah. Oh, that didn't work. Well, yeah. Just doing it by yourself is damn hard. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So and many people maybe, saying it didn't work. Sorry. I have so many people coming to me saying, oh, I tried all these things, but nothing happened. Well, did you take it at like a target action plan? Did you really tweak and dig into all the different nooks and crannies? And a lot of the stuff can be, doesn't need to take years. People can get pregnant naturally when they've been told, donor eggs are their only option to help people get pregnant naturally after four months when they've been told, sorry, donor eggs are for you. So it's, it doesn't have to take years and years. It's, it can actually happen fairly quickly. Yeah. I think it's a good point, Adrian. You know, it's like the, what is it? You can take a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Mm -hmm. Someone gives you $20,000. It still doesn't guarantee you that anything's going to work. IVF, you know, it is, you know, your responsibility to take control of your health, your journey, your medical treatment, who you work with, you know, that 20K is um, important for you to spend wisely, use your, you know, use your, your smarts, right? And unfortunately, when we're in a, like, like you say, Devin, like we get this fear. And I think for a lot of us, like maybe we've already proved, <laughs> We've spent 20K and <laughs> until we look back at up until that journey and start making better decisions because we've come out of that place of fear, it kind of doesn't matter, right? Right. So the, the problem is that we don't want to make decisions from a place of fear, but from a place of intuition. And that is really, really hard to decipher when you are in the middle of it because it's such an emotionally charged situation and you don't have, um, you know, any, any, we don't, you don't have hindsight. You can't see the forest from the trees and you are so panicked at like a biological level, at a level, you know, a societal level. And you're, it, there's at every level that you, you can't decide between what is a, a panicked state of fear decision or what is best for you. And that is, 
I remember the day that they told us the IVF was not going well, I wasn't responding well, and I had a decision to either move forward in the cycle or cut the cycle, you know, just call it canceled, get recoup some of the costs and try again. And I knew it was our, our only chance because it was our life savings. And we were never, we were not going to be able to do this again. At least that was the story I was telling myself, right? Um, so I, I had to decide that day. And I called my husband and I was like, what do we do? This is a super expensive decision, a huge decision. Do we move forward or not? And he goes, I don't know, babe, do whatever you want. And I'm like, wow, not helpful at all. Thank you for your support and for not having an opinion. And I am literally by myself. My friends don't even understand the acronyms. Nobody understands. And I was like, I wish that there was someone I could call to help me decipher Today, am I making the right decision? Is this based on fear or is this, you know, the good, a good decision for me? And that's literally why I became a fertility finance coach because I needed somebody who understood it at every level. And so I want to say, you know, get some help with these decisions. If you need them, be responsible enough, be aware enough to know when you need counseling, if Thing, if things are getting dark for you, if you feel hyper obsessed, if you feel anxious, um, if you are not enjoying your life anymore, okay, you need to, that is part of your mental, your mental health is your health. You know, it's your responsibility to reach out because nobody can help you, but you, and it will, that is one of the, the toughest realizations of going through fertility issues is how alone you feel, but you, but you, it beca you become self-reliant. You have to take care of yourself. And however that looks, it needs to come first in every way. So your health, you know, your money issues, all, all of these things are interrelated to take care of yourself. Now is the perfect opportunity in all of these challenges to learn life skills for the rest of your life and what you're going to need as a mother. If you decide to go that route, like to, to put yourself first, start doing that now. Yeah, definitely. I think on that note, we're going to end for today. Um, I hope that we've kind of cleared up this 20K issue. I'm not really sure we have. <laughs> There's no right or wrong answer. So we shared our opinions and people can see what resonates with them and throw away what doesn't. Uh, thank you once again for joining us, everyone. And I hope you have a beautiful week. And we are actually going to see you next week. We're going to be talking about infertility rage. So until then, goodbye. A few more things before you go. You can find all the links to anything talked about on this podcast, especially how to connect with our special guest. While you're down there, make sure you leave us a rating or a review. It would totally help this podcast out. If you would like to connect with me more, head over to the website. It's mymindfulme.com. There's a free membership over on the website where you can connect with like-minded people and really push your journey forward. We also have all the videos that I do up there for you and uh, the newsletter goes out about two, three times a month. And we also have pre-registration for the Fertility Reconnect course. It's a six-week course to help you really dial in what's going on in your body, what foods you can and cannot eat, and we're going to dig deep into the mental blocks you're having and how it could be affecting your fertility health. So that's it. Thank you once again for joining us on the Infertile Diagnosis and have a beautiful day.